Why don't we just stand up for a few moments and just... Uh, just breathe in and just breathe out. Whatever overwhelms you will shape you. And just for a few moments right now, let's just be overwhelmed by his presence. He is here. Holy, holy, holy spirit. <laughs> the most real person in this room. We just honor you. We welcome you. We're saying yes. Just come, Holy Spirit. Just take over. <laughs> Overwhelm us. Whoa. More. Go deeper. <laughs> More of love. More of your love. More of your joy. <laughs> Rejoice. More of your peace. Be peaceful. More of your freedom. Be free in Jesus' name. More of your wholeness. Be made whole. Shalom, shalom. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Just bring glory to Jesus this morning and create such an appetite for, even for the impossible. Let us just taste and see how good you are. Let us see your face this morning so that everything else we look at will change. Let us just hear that voice. Silence all of the noise in our life so we can hear that still, small voice. Because my sheep hears my voice and follow them. I'm just asking that the dove, the Holy Spirit, would just find a resting place. Because each one of us, we have found our rest in who we are and whose we are. So I just release shalom, shalom. Shalom, meaning safe, sound, complete, whole in every area of your life. Whew. In Jesus' name, <laughs> in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated for a few moments. Wow. Are you guys doing okay? Just wave to me and smile. Let me see all of you. It takes a few moments with the lights that comes on just to kind of connect and see all of you beautiful people. Wow. Uh, I was just asking um, Greg right before the service, uh, is it okay today? I just, I wanted to take a little time and just chat. There's going to be a teaching or preach, but I felt I wanted just to share a little bit of what's going on, not just in my life, but what I'm sensing in this spirit. I maybe do not have totally clear, clarity over it, but I just uh, want to, to, to create something in your palates so that uh, there, there's something in you that you can recognize. I remember just as a little young boy in Norway, we went on vacation. I was maybe six, seven years old. And you can recognize we were driving by this bakery in Denmark. And it was something as you smelled that bakery and we went to that camping place that my mom and dad said, hey, do you want fresh bread? And we woke up early that morning, even as kids that wanted to sleep in, but because you had smelled something when they inviting you into that, that you were willing to go early in the morning, stand in line, getting in there and get that fresh bread. 
and it did something for our palates why I wanted more of this. And, and I was not satisfied any longer by eating stale bread. I, I didn't want yesterday's bread. I was not too worried about tomorrow's bread. I wanted fresh bread. And I thought about that because uh, I'm just going to be honest for two things. One, I'm going to need your prayer in this season, but I do need a creative miracle. So I was one of the ones when we heard the word earlier, you go to doctors after doctors and, and you get misdiagnosed. And so I had a season of that where, uh, I mean, they put me on all kinds of antibiotics and steroids, it is disinfection, it is this and that. And we went to a long season and suddenly my immune system goes down and then you travel and then you got this fungal infection and then end up with a bronchitis and they say your immune system is so low. And then COVID happened again right around Christmas time. We had the same last year. So it was just one of those seasons. And then finally, they're coming up with this diagnosis that I have something called superior canal dehesion syndrome. And what it means is that the bone between my brain and my inner ear is gone. So I realized I don't need a healing. I need to create a miracle. Wow. And, and right in the middle of that, because what's happening, I've had this vertical. And I stood there at the stage seeing incredible healing. Actually, one of them just touches me because... Uh, the son is, and I've only seen it a few times, the son had severe autism. And in this presence in Brazil, I was up there very dizzy. And one father came home, and I kind of was a little irritated because this father comes, hey, I, I just want to see, I want to talk to you, just in, in, in Portuguese. But I was praying for other people, and finally I just decided to go over to this person, and I got to hear the testimony that last night the presence came in, and he came home, and he had a son with severe autism, just started to speak for the first time. And so it did something in me. It's like, it, don't be afraid that it's going to be some disruption in a service or distraction. But just started to recognize what God is doing and what God is up to. So I'm putting that just into place, what is creating some of my palates. Because suddenly when you're faced with Goliath again, and some of you, you have a giant. And it's not just a giant, but it's something bigger than yourself you're faced with. And that giant stands right there at the doorway between you and your destiny. And you know you have to reclaim your destiny. And then the giant usually, you know what, it's a giant because he's there at nighttime. When you go to bed, it's there in the morning when you wake up. And sometimes it creates this fear, anxiety. And then what the enemy would like to do is he's bringing you guilt from your past and he reminds you about your failure and everything you did and who you were not. Shame for today and then fear for tomorrow. And, and what fear is false evidence is appearing real. So I just realized I had, a, I had this point where I, I know I, I needed to strengthen myself in the Lord. And it was one of those seasons. So I'm putting that just into perspective of what's connected in my palace. I realized that I need this creative miracle in my life. And we started to make some room and changes in the calendar. But it's almost like the Lord has just taken me on a journey. And, and we are in a, in a season right now on January 30. We're launching this journey with people where we're going to take them to, to actually reclaiming their destiny. So I started to interview a lot of people. Last week, I talked to Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton and Brian Simmons. And we people, we were just with Heidi. So different people on the journey. And all of them are talking about some of the same thing, which was very helpful for me. They are talking about it's almost like we want to go back to the beginning. We want to go back into the basics. And the word that God gave me, the day when I got this diagnosis and you felt a little overwhelmed by this giant, he says, uh, I'm going to give you a word. And that was, give us today our daily bread. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I didn't like that. My papa, your papa, our father, we honor his name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, in my body, in my finances, on earth as it is in heaven. But eventually, so we know this Lord's prayer, but in this relationship that you have with him and the promises he has given us, it hit me that verse. I prayed it hundreds of times, but it hit me. Give us today. I would like to say, can you give me this year my daily bread? I mean, could I get that breakthrough? Could, could, could you give me the answer to my prayer so I can trust you less? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to live every single day in a total dependency upon you. And why don't you answer that prayer? And so I realized I cannot go on yesterday's bread. And I cannot go on tomorrow. I don't have any grace for tomorrow. But I cannot take yesterday with me. So I just realized to wake up on a daily basis and just receive that daily fresh bread every single day. And that's enough. The bread of his presence. So that did something. I'm putting this into a framework because this class we're going to take people through. And I'm just putting a couple of scripture verses together to make this meeting legal. I know that Michelle and, uh, and Greg, probably Greg is one of the finest Bible teachers. I told a lot of the people part of my doctorate program because uh, I know that uh, there's something talking about Greg also being involved in this doctorate program. But I told some of the professor, he's one of the most brilliant scholars that I've ever met. Have you, how many of you can recognize that? It's just incredible. I had the honor. We just were hanging out together as friends and spent five hours in the car each way. And it's like... It's like feasting. It's iron shop and irons and creating this appetite. We were, just, we were just heading up to Charlotte. I said, Greg, Greg, I'm hearing there's some fresh bread. And I know that because of my palates. I'm just giving this story. There was something, there's some fresh bread in Charlotte. Would you like to come with me? And he says, I'm bored. I'm hungry too. There's some of this pure, pure water that I'm hearing about. And, and then I found out that Toronto was 29 years ago. On Friday, since Toronto broke loose. And then I heard that my friends John and Carol Arnott was going to be there and honor these young people that is hosting the presence. And so there's just a, a sweet little outpouring. And when you're hungry, I'm not worried about who is hosting it. I just, I felt the same thing that I did in 1994, the same thing I did in 1995 as a Baptist pastor, and I'm going to share some of those stories, that you're recognizing that God is up to something and He's doing something, and it just does something in your spirit that you start to get hungry. You change things on your calendar. And back in those days, just as we saw the COVID virus spread around the world, this virus is also contagious. And I could smell it. I remember in 94 that uh, it was in January the 20th in a small little warehouse or a little building outside the airport. There, there, there's a no place. But suddenly this fresh bread was revealed. And somebody in England, I heard, heard about it. And they then took the risk, paid a price, changed everything they had on the calendar. And even for young people, I think it's important just to connect some of those different things. And, and then a group from England, I heard. One was a pastor of a Baptist church. One was Sandy Miller that some of you know the Alpha course came from this church, Holy Trinity Brompton. But Sandy Miller, who was the head rector, he was, was four guys there. So in May, I heard that they came back again, and they were just talking about, they saw the healing. They saw marriages being changed. They saw the transformation, and they came back. And one of my elders from my Baptist church, he went over, and he came back and says, Pastor, I think you need to go to London. And I'm like, no, Jesus is here. 
And when I was watching Per Terry and his face was glowing, he had seen something. It started to create an appetite. I could see this person that had an encounter. And people would encounter becomes an encounter. So for me, we went over there to England and went to Queen's Road Baptist Church. And back in the building, there was this lady behind me. I'm sitting with a notebook. I want to take notes. And good old Baptist. I was going to get my three points. And expository preaching, exemplary living. So I'm sitting there with my notebook. And this lady behind me. <laughs> it was like this loud, annoying laughter. <laughs> she scared away my dove. I had pigeon religion. I mean, there was pigeons everywhere. And, they, and I'm, I'm kind of, honestly, I was dishonoring and judging a little bit because I didn't understand. Because if you don't understand, you will not know how to value. And if you don't know how to value, you don't know how to steward. And if you don't know how to steward, you don't know how to multiply it. And if you don't know how to multiply it, you don't get authority over it. And I didn't understand what was going on, but I was at least wise enough after the meeting. I was a little frustrated, and I got to meet with Norman Moss, the pastor of this Baptist church, and sat with Norman. I said, I loved what I was seeing, and the presence is here. I love the testimony of people being saved and healed. But I need to be honest, I, I lost probably because I'm Norwegian. English is my second language, but I, I didn't get much of your sermon. I didn't get much of because there was this lady behind, and she was screaming and laughing and making all this sound all the time. And it's supposed to be order and everything else. And he just smiled at me. Do you mind if I just tell you the story of her? She's been bipolar for over 40 years. And she's been so depressed. And her husband, an introvert, and he was standing there, has not really had a marriage. And then she came to the meeting, and the joy hit her, and the presence hit her. She was healed from bipolar disease, set free from all of the medications. And for two months, she just laughed and laughed as she had the enjoyment of the Lord. And she just experienced the freedom. And at that moment, I just repented, including when we, Greg and I, together on Friday. I just repented when I saw there was things that I don't understand. I'm just going to adjust myself. I'm not going to let anything taking away from what God has in this season. So that started my appetite. And then later on that Thursday, I stood in line at Holy Trinity Brompton, came into a prayer meeting, stood there for five hours in rain in England. It was cold. And later on, jumped on an airplane and went to meeting after meeting. In August, came back. I was hungry for something more. Came back again to our little Baptist church, and it started to take place. And one of the guys that just got saved. Uh, uh, this is just one that got around this, ended up and started to weep in behalf of his brother, who is one of the leaders of Hell's Angels. And he was so broken, but he was there touched by this presence. And he is just praying. And in the snow, his brother had an encounter with the Lord. And he was feeling hell. He started to run throughout the snow to find about two miles away, there is his brother just praying for him. And Newell got totally saved. He was like a, a, a terrorist Saul becoming an apostle Paul. He's well known in the kingdom of darkness. The radical transformation in Newell's life hit our city, hit everywhere, created such a, a revival actually among people that drug addicts, alcoholics, everybody, I mean, everybody knew who he was in a sense. And he got so radically changed. He's in Tunisia right now. And has still been there on fire for Jesus in the middle of ISIS and everything else in this Muslim nation. And he is still on fire, burning brightly without burning out. Because he tasted of something that set them on fire. But didn't just set them on fire. Have stayed on fire. And he is one of those lights in one of the darkest places after all those years. 
And I could tell story after story, but this was just in a little Norwegian setting. And then some of you know the story that on June 6, 1995, I had lost a couple of people. And I know there's some people that have been dealing with losses in this season. And sometimes how we handle losses connected also what we've been trusted in gain. And we had had some loss of a couple of people. So what I did is I lowered my expectancy level so I didn't have to live with disappointments. And I feel there's other people that because that you have had faith, you have had hope, it didn't happen. So if you just lower your expectancy level of God, then you don't have to feel the pain of disappointments. Because it is painful when you continue to have expectancy and you don't see things happen. And I feel he's also going to heal hope today. And I'm saying this is fresh for me in this season. That's why I had to just... All of this, I went back to those memory stones when I called Greg. And I said, Greg, we need to go to Charlotte. I'm just giving you the story that is behind my story. And then Randy Clark, June 6, 1995, my wife and I came to a little place in Haugus in Norway. And it was a leadership meeting. And Randy Clark at the time, this is also after uh, when Toronto is kind of on the heyday. And for 12 years, there was a move of God's spirit. And some people can going in and say, was this God or not God? Well, the fruit today, even in missiology, there's at least four people that are seeing over a million people saved as a result of it. So you do not always know, honor the roots and you will be entrusted with the fruits. Including our friend Heidi Baker, it's on the war zone in Mozambique in the middle of now, and they're cutting off arms and legs and see the persecution, but in the middle of it, they are shining because of the touch and the encounter they had with God. And it doesn't stop there. It's a continuation that I'm just describing for me in the middle of what I'm seeing, what's happening in America, what's happening in the world, being overwhelmed by some of the giants that is in there, and just remind me back again to go back to the future. And I will describe that. That's going to be kind of my message today. And I do know how much time I have, so... I'm putting three more minutes with this meeting, but I felt to share a story. When Randy Clark and I... Three more minutes before I stop my message... That's uh, <laughs> But I, what I hope to happen here, I want you to get, I want you to start to smell it. I want you to start to feel it. I want your expectancy level to go up because I'm sensing something in my spirit. And I just wanted to show the experience of this. So when Randy Clark was there and shared his testimony, and I was one of the pastors that came up. He came to me. Everybody else touch him, bless him, and fill him. And I was kind of nervous. And I'm saying that if you come from a background, like we came from a Southern Baptist conservative. So some of these unusual things that was taking place, I was not very comfortable with it. But he touched, and the Methodist pastor went on the floor. And Randy didn't even touch him, and we didn't do that in my church. And then the Salvation Army, and the Assembly of God, and the Lutheran, and he came to me eventually, he said, you are a bulldozer. I'm thinking, no, I'm a Baptist pastor. <laughs> they didn't teach me much about prophecy in my, my college. You're going to be a bulldozer going into the darkest places in the world. And he started to describe connected to my destiny. And in a shepherd boy and in a shepherd girl, there is a king. And he started to speak into the destiny, and I ended up on the floor. Fire, electricity, fire of electricity. Mama Frida, 1999, she was on the floor. Good Southern Baptist Church. <laughs> and she had an encounter that changed her life. And it's not just an encounter. The processes afterwards is connected to it. The encounter often comes in a seed format. Then you go through the process until you birth it. And little baby, little push. Big baby, big push. So depending on what God has spoken over, your life is connected to the gestation period. 
But what happened when I came up of that place, and a few weeks later, I'm walking by a heroin addict, and the presence of God just hit him. And he said, free from heroin. I had walked by those same people before. But I'd been around like you were around the COVID virus that started to spread and caused kind of a, this was a different virus. It was almost this Jesus virus, this goodness virus, this kindness virus, this love virus that started to touch it. Suddenly the people around you just started to get hit by it. I felt it was especially one of my favorite moments. I was in a biker bar because one of these people had got saved at a biker bar and in Norway. And as I came in, they wanted me to share a little bit. As I stood up there, I was trying to be dignified. I had this illustration and then scripture verse. I, was, I rehearsed this, what this was going to be. And as I stood up, suddenly my legs went like this. And I tried to control it. I hold on there, and my legs went. And I'm about to start to speak, so I'm like, oh. And suddenly one of the bikers says, hey, that pastor is drunk. I got embarrassed. So I'm just going to, the more I tried to straighten out, the worse it got. In the front of everybody. And I'm the Baptist pastor. And then in a moment, it was almost like God had a lot of fun in this season. And, and just, in a moment, on the right side, it's, it's almost like a wind that came in. Suddenly, the presence of God started to touch people. Just sovereignly speak. I'm standing up there. But it was interesting. Half of the room got it. They were like, they didn't know what was happening. The presence. The other half had not got there yet. Yet. And then it started to spread throughout the rest of the room later on. And the presence of God came in. They surrendered to Jesus. Didn't help. They didn't need my help. They just need sometimes a preacher to get out of the way. But I remember those days. Then I heard later on, and I'm just putting it in a small ways, Pensacola. Traveled to Florida. Didn't have much money. My wife and I, we, uh, she was a homemaker. I was a Baptist pastor. But went to Pensacola. Stood in line. And people said, why would you do that when God is in Norway? You have the same God in your Baptist church. Because I'm hungry. I'm hungry, and that's also right now. What I have right now is not enough for what he's calling us to do in the Middle East. What I have, the light in me has not changed the darkness there. I've been more influenced by this world than I've been able to influence this world. And I'm just sensing another invitation to going into that secret place, to going into this place to be so overwhelmed by him that nothing else can overwhelm me. I don't have a plan B. There's a plan A, and that's him. Yeah. The best thing about Jesus is Jesus. And in Pensacola, for 18 hours, stood in line. Didn't matter. Stood in line and waited to coming inside and saw somebody standing in a line beside of me. He suddenly, the presence started to sweep out on the parking lot where we were there. And the person just says, hey, so sorry, but I got pornography in my car. I better burn it. And people started to get saved and people started to get delivered in the line before we got into the meeting. And we hadn't even got into the meeting yet, but I just started to see the parking lot. We just started, to, the presses started to hit us. And I'm there standing in this line waiting to get in. The building is filled up. Auto is filled up. I'm putting this into perspective and then went back again. And meeting after meeting, I was hungry. There was fresh bread. And then later on, I got to stand there on the stage in front of 22,000 Muslims. And then the presence started to sweep this very place. 500 of them aggressive was about to attack. And then the same presence that I saw there started to spread in. And they started to dance and worship Jesus before you had preached. Before you prayed any sick. The presence just came in and I saw the faces started to glow. And they started to dance and they started to worship Jesus. And you share the message, they surrender to Jesus. 
I'm putting this as I'm just looking at some of my memory stone. I'm looking at my beer and my lions when I'm looking at Goliath. I don't see how big Goliath is, but how big God is. Uh, are you seeing? So, okay, let's open up the Bible and fasten your seatbelt, but I'm just hungry. Are you guys okay? I know I maybe scare some of you if you're not familiar with it, but let's go to Greg. He is my friend. The framework of this, as I mentioned, that in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 and 8, let me just put this as a framework. You see the whole story where until us a child is born, and we use that often for Christmas. The next thing is, and it's a picture of Jesus, sons are given, given sons and daughters. The increase of government and peace is actually going to be up on his shoulder. It takes you to this progression until it eventually, he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then eventually, it is upon the throne of David I will fulfill this. So that kind of put a perspective. So I've been on a journey with David. And one scripture verse that has made me jealous, that is part of my big picture, is for the next generation. The grandkids that we not we don't have yet. And that is 1 Kings 5, 4. That's the last thing I will do about the future, and then I go into the verse. And it says, there was rest. Say that with me. There was rest on all sides. Say all sides. There was no adversary. Say there was no adversary. And not one evil occurrence. Imagine if we're coming into the city of Atlanta. I'm landing with my plane, and suddenly this ear, the new bone, is just coming about. A stage four cancer is gone. Imagine you're coming in with a plane inside the region of Atlanta because there's such a shalom. There's rest on all sides. No adversary. Right. Meaning the whole demonic realm, enemy, no. I cannot touch the city limit of Atlanta because there's such a shalom. There's such a rest on all sides. There's no adversary and no evil occurrence. But the verses before that, he starts to honor his father David. This was Solomon describing this. What Solomon got to experience, that one generation paid so the next generation could play. But how is that generation paying so the next one can be playing? And we're living in a season where a lot of people are spending inheritance. I have freedom today because people died on beaches in Normandy. And I realize in just now, so David is on this journey. He started out in Bethlehem. Say Bethlehem. Jesus started out in Bethlehem. Say Bethlehem. And you and I, we start out in Bethlehem. Say Bethlehem. And I felt that this is part of what God is inviting us to go back again to Bethlehem. Go back to the beginning. Go back to our first love. This is what Chris Vallotton said as part of our journey. This is what Bill is saying. I said, Bill, uh, Bill, what's going on? What is God saying? And Bill said, it. I, I feel like just, I have grace for daily bread. There was a season he gave me food that lasted for 40 days. But this season is just it's a daily just going before him and seeing his face and get what I need for today. Yeah. Chris Valentin, I said, Chris Valentin, what is God saying? And he said, I'm going back just to the beginning, back to the main thing being the main thing. The best thing about Jesus is Jesus, not all the stuff. And so I'm sensing this has been in my journey, and I hear God is speaking about it. But David, in this journey, he started out in Bethlehem. The season in Bethlehem, if you remember, there was a sunset of Saul, and Saul was a man after man's own heart. And then in the sunset, because Saul was the best that man produced, and God was looking for something that he was looking for a man after his own heart. 
And David was raised up, so it was a sunset of Saul that became a sunrise of David. And then we know the anointing of David when he was anointed a shepherd boy. And I know that Northland family, all of us in this season, we're going back to Bethlehem learning the basic. And what David did in that season, he had a vision for his father's dream. He learned to be a shepherd. He took care of the micro business of his dad, taking care of sheep. While he was just faithful in the natural as a shepherd boy, they didn't focus on being a king or the kingdom. But he was focusing, I'm taking care of the sheep. One time a lion was getting one of those sheep. But he loved sheep so well that he's willing to give his life to save that one. All of this is connected to developing the heart in the secret place. Because all kingdom matters is matters of the heart. And the kingdom will only be entrusted with hearts that are entrusted. So what God is doing in this season is dealing with the lamb's heart in us. So that when the lion shows up and we roar, people gather, not scatter. Because it comes from the lamb's heart. We genuinely love people. We generally love sheep. We, we, it comes from the heart. And that happens when you're taking care of lamb, when we're serving lamb, when I'm washing your feet again when you betray me. Some of that is happening in that season. So the Bethlehem season is also where you learn how to play a harp. Say harp. He learned to be a worshiper. When nobody was looking, and I was thinking about the worship team, and I know there are some amazing worship leaders in this room. But this was the season, and I was sitting and talking to some people who have worldwide worship ministry. But how was it when you went into the secret place just to be with him, to be with him? He didn't worship because one day I'm going to stand before Saul and change the environment. It was in the audience of one. It was just going back again to be with him. And I am with him for being with him, not because I'm going to be a worship leader. He learned, not, he didn't just get a harp, which was the instrument that God gave him, and you have an instrument. And that's God's gift to you, the gift that he's given you. But what you do with that instrument is your gift to God. So he mastered that harp. And I have people who say, can you bring me before kings? And can you bring me before leadership? Because I have an honor. So I was meeting with a prime minister and a president. And I had a person say, hey, I feel I have a word for them. And I say, show me your harp. And what I meant with that is, if you have not knowing how to change the environment in a secret place, you will not be able to change the environment in the open. So the reason David was brought to change when the nightmare happened for that king is because in the secret place, he got some secret that could be revealed in the open. So who are you when nobody is looking? And I'm speaking to myself in this. So that was the season in David's life. He, he became a worshiper. He learned to be overwhelmed by God. It is this one thing I desire. It is this one thing I long for. I just want to dwell in the presence of the Lord. I just want to gaze upon his beauty. That's the main thing is the main thing. I just want you, Jesus. I don't want anything else. All the rest of the stuff, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things shall be added. But I'm not going after the rest of the stuff. And so some of that was in David. But David also learned how to practice a sling. Say sling. He learned how to be a warrior. Say warrior. He learned how to be a lamb. Say lamb. He also learned how to be a lion. Say lion. And I do believe that God wants to release lions again. And it is time for us to roar again, but we need to do with a lamb's heart. Because we've had a lot of prophets out there that's been roaring as lions. But it doesn't come from a place of brokenness. And our nation is broken. The world has become an orphanage. 
and the orphan heart is crying. Does anybody want me? Does anybody see me? Look at Instagram. Look at the whole world right now. The orphan heart, the orphan spirit is crying in the land, and Papa God wants his family back. And you're living in a season, we're going to see one billion new names added to the Lamb's Book of Life. But that is not going to happen when God is going to get a billion orphans because he wants a billion sons and daughters. And to do that, he's raising up healthy kingdom family. And that's what Northland is, a place of habitation, a family on mission, not or mission. It's not family or mission, but a family on mission. So this season in Bethlehem, but that's also what David is in this season in his life. He has a calling, Zion. He's calling to rule and reign. And you have that calling. So in his journey on this season, then there is this giant, this Goliath. You know I've wrote a book just on that topic. So you may be faced with a giant, and because you're a worshiper, let's see how big God is, not how big the giant is. But he's also giving you tools, things to be able to conquer that giant, the sling. So worshiper and warrior, and we know the story. The favorite song went in, Saul can do a thousand, David ten thousand. And this became a favorite song, and everybody is talking about it. And then Saul got jealous, and then instead of all the breakthrough, oh, this is the year of breakthrough, it looked like breakdown. From there, he ended up in the cave of Adullam. How many of you have had a cave of Adullam? <laughs> That's where I've been in a little season. You're getting a damn cave. You have all these words and you have all these prophecies, but it seems like there's one thing that you after the other, and you're ending up in this cave. And the cave of Adullam for David, he was there for over seven years. So this is the end of this season that I'm going to read the Bible verses, and then we're going to land this. So on the journey, we would like to build a bridge from Bethlehem to Zion. We don't want zigzag. And I'm sure that brought to Jody and Mama Frida. If I did research with you, what is the worst day of your life? Oh, there's that loss. It's that day. It looks like everything was dying. The zigzag. How do we pursue? How do we overtake? And how do we recover all? How do we deal with those things? That's part of the training for reigning program. How do we deal with disappointment? How do we deal with loss? How do we deal with when everything is dying? So in this journey, zigzag is also between. Hebron is between. The cave of Adullam is between. So in this whole journey to training for reigning, David is here, and now from a man after God's own heart, in the earlier state in the cave, like, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Have you had some of those prayer meetings? But that changes. Oh, it is this one thing I desire. It changes in this cave, and the cave becomes a palace because he is royalty. And from that place, he pulls from heaven. He changes his cave around. How is it that 400 people, depressed, distressed, people beaten up by the world system, when a king with his army is looking and cannot find him, how is it that 400 people finds him without an iPhone? No Siri to help. No, he pulls from heaven. He's there worshiping, and then he pulls with his heart. And then he changes the environment of them. He restores their identity back. He restores the value of those 400. And he restores the dreams. From a man after God's own heart, God raises up a culture, a family. And this is the season. And as David is on this journey, he is on a journey to be able to see the environment change, the transformation. He's heading towards Zion. And in a moment, he is in this. And we can open the Bible now to 2 Samuel 23. And there's one verse and then... I'm going to start to land this. This verse has just hit me on my journey. It's been a long journey. 
broken neck, broken back, body cast. It's been a long journey. We just visited, my wife and I, California last week, and I visited a treatment center that I was in. I visited a cliff I stood on that dark night, 12 days into it, and looking at the ocean. It was my zigzag moment. No hope. Totally dark. Where are you? After 11 years on opiates, all the broken bones, broken neck, everything hit at once, and you stood at 12 days into it, and we just visited that place, back to that zigzag moment, and just started to worship. But in 2 Samuel, this is why this is so precious to me, in this journey, the battle fatigue, some of us are worn out, but I'm here just, there's some fresh water that he's inviting on. I feel today there's going to be an incredible outpouring of fresh, pure water. So David, in this journey, he said, oh, I wish, here it is. And David said, verse 15, 2 Samuel 23, 15, and David said with longing, oh, oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. Say Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So three mighty men, they broke through the camp of the Philistine, drew the water from the well of Bethlehem, the house of bread, fresh bread. And they brought it to David. Nevertheless, he could not drink of it, but he poured it out as a drink offering. I don't know why that verse, I've been on, as I was saying, this journey towards David's life and going and take people to be faithful in the natural in Bethlehem, faithful to be in the middle of your needs in Adullam, to be faithful in relationship in Hebron, dealing with faithful in the middle of the worst moments of your life in Ziggler. I've been on all this journey Spent about 15 years on this journey, and I'm looking towards what it looks like in Zion when God's people is ruling and reigning together with Him. And in that moment in the journey when you sometimes have a battle you fight before the battle you win, but then there's the other times there's the battle you fight after the battle you won. And you're just dealing with leak after leak, and that kind of is where my body was, my mind was with everything that is going on, and then suddenly you are faced in this place, and you're looking ahead, and you just like feel a little overwhelmed. And then he brings you back, and he says, oh, I wish I could go back and just drink from that pure water of Bethlehem that was near the gate. It's kind of a worship. Oh, I remember worldwide worship. And they said, oh, I remember the days when it was just me and the guitar in my room. And the presence was there. Now, everybody, you go into the secret place, everybody wants the secret. And you win an award for the secret song. And it takes you away from the secret. That's the ache that I felt in this season. That certainly now everybody wants that. But what I want is to go back to the future. I want to go back to Bethlehem. Just to worship. Just to be a worshiper. Back to sonship. Back to the basic. And drink from that pure. Pure. What is pure? I've been polluted. I've been at war for so long that I've forgotten what that purity looks like. Being polluted with motives, polluted with battles, and you do not realize in this journey that there's something in us that aches and longs for that pure, pure. There's a whole generation that is looking and longing for that pure water that is of Bethlehem near the gate. This is before David had betrayed anybody or people betrayed him. This is before Saul was throwing spears. This is before, this is in a season of back to that. My first love. Falling in love again. Time to have fun again. Finding that joy again. 
getting overwhelmed again. So when David starts to feel this ache, and he just expresses it. It's like somebody here has expressed it. Hey, anybody, I just want you to know I'm thirsty for that pure, pure water. And suddenly a couple of three of his mighty men, they heard about it. And they are willing to give their life to going inside the Palestine. The Palestine, the enemy had occupied Bethlehem. And I can tell you, in America right now, the enemy has occupied the territory that belongs to us. And there's pure water in it. But when people are hearing that the main thing is the main thing for us as fathers and mothers, people are going to be willing to give their life and courage to get hold of it. These guys were willing to die to get hold of that water. And when David sees that there's a whole generation willing to give their life for something that is pure, for this fresh bread of his presence, then suddenly these guys will do whatever it takes, whatever it costs to get hold of it. But when they bring it to David, he just places on the ground as an offering. It was too holy for him. It was so precious to him that the best, what I've been longing for so much, I'm just laying that at your feet, Jesus. And so for me in my own journey that I feel there's an invitation for all of us just to have a fresh experience. So when Greg and I came up to Charlotte and we came in, we started here, there's a line at 2.30, similar setting like this, about the same size. And we heard that we didn't have to stand in that line or because we had a little favorite cards. So they waited for us at the door, but we got to park, but we got in. But when I heard, people had been in line for since 2.30 this afternoon. What is this? They are smelling something. And then we came into the meeting, and I see this 55-year-old man. I want to surrender to Jesus. Then I see this person, this person, people that just want to surrender to Jesus. They're tasting of something. They're seeing something. They want to give their life to Jesus. Then we're hearing the story of all these people being healed and things that starts to take place. And we went into the little prayer meeting and we went to that prayer meeting and we just wanted to be on our face before him. We started to taste again. I don't know if you're hungry. How many here are hungry for something more? Anybody here is thirsty for something more? I wanted to honor the time, but if we can stand to our feet and I know that I'm just taking just some bits and pieces and I know it is not the most organized message, but there is a framework on this journey towards Zion, and he's calling us to rule and reign together with him. But when I'm looking into the future and I'm getting so overwhelmed by we're going to press in, and there is a season, and press through, you're in your cave, and that's where I've been at with this thing, and the medicine, and diagnosis, and this, and that, and surgery. You feel so overwhelmed by that, while the invitation is to go back Back to the beginning, back to your first love, back to just drink. Because the very source, the fresh bread, the very thing that you drink from is going to do something in you that is going to change everything else. So holy, this water is holy. He is holy. So I'm just inviting you, Jesus. Thank you for fresh bread. Thank you for the invitation. Jesus says, anyone that is thirsty, if I can get the worship team up here, and I know that the leadership, but I felt even today, there's people, I, I do need healing, and I was one of those other people. I, I sense that there's a desire for refreshment in the house. I cannot give anything. I can give what he just gave me. I don't have it yet, but I've got the taste of something. That there's a lot of other things that doesn't satisfy. I taste it again of something that... Gives me the grace, not just the discipline, but I have the grace now to, I want more. Yeah. I place myself in this offering place again. 
The other day I was just on the phone with one of my doctors who was going to help, and then I felt that sweetness of his presence. Next moment I found out the doctor just ended up on the floor in Virginia because the presence of God just hit him over the phone. <laughs> and it took me back to we in Huntsville, Alabama. I sat in my car, and Christopher Olson, one of my spiritual sons, he's in Ankeny, Iowa, and I'm just sitting there, and the presence came into my car, just the sweetness of his presence again. And as I'm sitting in the car, I'm on the phone with Christopher, and he was rude. It sounded like he was hanging up on me. I found out later on that the presence touched him and I, when he ended up on the floor just weeping underneath the Lord. And he realized, oh, I'm supposed to be in staff meeting. So Christopher walks in, and Laura, the secretary, he walked by, and the presence of God hit Laura, and she is on the floor, still weeping. They're coming into the staff meeting. There are some serious things that leadership is going to talk about. He just walks in, and then the presence just shows up in staff meeting. And for over two hours, God just takes over the meeting. And then somebody goes back into the workplace and the presence shows up at the workplace and I'm supposed to come up that Sunday night to have services and that's when Renee, the first creative miracle I saw in America, who has been paralyzed. Everybody in the community knew about her accident. She's been in wheelchair and the presence touched her and hour and 45 minutes she's running around in the building and the news hits. And we're coming up to the meeting, I'm just putting a couple of appetizers. The worship team was up there. The meetings were so good that I couldn't preach. I was on the floor most of the time just being overwhelmed. Morning went to night. He just reorganized, called my wife and said, hey, I don't know what's happening. And called Papa Jack and, Papa Jack, what do we do? And then a man sitting there, bodybuilder, suddenly God is doing a knee replacement. Another one stood there with his cell phone and said, my dad has Alzheimer. And then in Arkansas, the presence of God, his father over the phone system with Alzheimer. We were just, we were just there. And it started to spread. And this is before all. We didn't have as much technology as we have now. And then next moment, somebody drives 10 hours the next day to the meeting. And in Wisconsin, 700 people. And they said, hey, could you just pray for that group? And as we are there, the presence hit 700 people in Wisconsin. We're just there in his presence. But here's a Steve was up playing the guitar at a time. And Steve... He was on the floor. The worship team was on the floor. Nobody could do anything. We were all. So I was like, can we get some music? But everybody was out. Nobody prayed. It was just we were there. God. God showed up. And he was taking over. Marriages was being changed. Heroin addicts was being set free. Rumors started spread. Hope started spread. It just it spread. We didn't do a whole lot except for what do we need to adjust ourselves to the dove? The dove will not adjust itself to you. And Steve then, the next moment, he, would, he looked like a ghost that was playing the guitar. When he came up on the floor, I thought, let me see the testimony to interview him. But Steve just walked right out of the room, just like a ghost. So the next day, I thought, you were kind of a little rude. You didn't even talk when I... That's kind of my thought. So finally, he talked to me. He says, Leif, no, while I was on the floor, I just want you to know. What people don't know is that I was in high school. My girlfriend became pregnant, and I pretty much forced her to have an abortion. And I hadn't thought about it much, but I went to inner healing. I knew something was missing. And I've been married now. And we have two grown boys. So I've been married for all these years. But then there was something missing after all the inner healing I've gone through. But that day, as I was on the floor, I just felt my spirit was lifted up. And the next moment, there was Jesus. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know. But Jesus says, let me open up this door. And in the next moment, Jesus opened up this door. And he said, here, let me take and introduce you to your daughter, Lauren. And in a moment, she says, Dad, Dad, I forgive you, and I want to dance with you. 
I cannot describe. He is the one described. So he said in the next world, while he was on the floor, he just had this encounter as he was dancing with his little girl. And he was totally healed after 20-some years of therapy. And he's still changed today. And I can tell story after story after story. And that started to spread. I went with Randy Clark to Phoenix, Arizona. Again, the presses came. I'm saying that, that some of that is what I'm experiencing again. And I told Greg when I got caught with this, he says, give us today our daily bread. I'm not going to go on yesterday, not even what we experienced a few days ago was sweet. I want something fresh for today. And I just wanted to say, if, that's, if you want to just to come here to the altar, if you say, I'm hungry, I'm not going to give it, but it's going to be him. But we're going to invite him. If you're sensing, I just need a fresh encounter with him. I'm tired, I'm weary. And he says, come to me, all of you are weary and heavy laden. I know that Northland family is supposed to be a prototype to host his presence. But even with a ministry team, I just take a few moments. I know there's going to be people today that you need to go and we're going to bless that. But I wanted at least for people, you just need a fresh encounter. I know there's even somebody that he came to the service that struggled with depression. There was even moment you just, I don't know if I can go on any longer. And I just sense him that one moment in his presence. So just come and fill this altar if you're sensing as the worship team. And I'm going to give this over to Greg, but I just sense I have some grace that he's giving me for what I need to face in this season. And I know there's going to be grace, but I just, and if I can get somebody to help here, but I want to just release. I just want to release something right. fresh over you. I'm going to ask the, the ministry team, if the ministry team can come up front and face out, face otherwise, if you're not part of the ministry team, face this way. And I'm going to ask elders and deacons to also come uh, be facing out that way. We're just going to, um, we're just going to uh, ask Leif to release just more of the presence, and then we're going to minister to people who come. So if you're hungry, this is your moment. Um,